Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go to the phones. And joining us is Nate Salinsky. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing good. And you see, I did it again. I was nice to you. I don't know. I, it's, I, I'm having trouble breaking this habit. You just stick to this for the rest of our lives. I, I'm getting used to it. I like it. Now it would be awkward and people think you're just being mean if you change it. So we should probably just roll with it, you know? But I am I am mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. You're one of our favorite contributors. Uh, Nate, uh, we got a little rain. Holy moly, Terry, I'll tell you what, I uh, I am doing my best to keep up on the current conditions, but uh, you throw in the, the moisture that we just got on top of following a kind of nicer weather week uh, to really kind of kick off runoff, and I'll tell you, you put the two together, and we have got some serious moisture. So, uh, so many things are changing. Uh, try to do our best to keep up on it, try to keep our best uh, updates. Uh, I think even with the state of Colorado trying to keep up with, you know, what's open, what's closed, what are the effects, and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll do my best to, to give the report right now, but, yeah, a lot of stuff happening for sure. Oh, and it's going to change quickly. Uh, this water, if we can, if it stays cool enough, this water could recede, uh, at least from the rivers, maybe not what's run into the lakes, could recede fairly quickly, and the flows could come down. And But then if we get a, a hot streak after that, the snowmelt really hasn't come down yet. So it, it could be a real fluctuation from here through July or more. So why don't you kind of take us through what you're seeing? Absolutely. You know, I, I think we'll uh, we'll start on the high end and kind of work our way down. I mean, the, the Arkansas finally really jumped up this uh, this last week. So uh, not that I, I provide a lot of those fly fishing reports. I just see it from the Stillwater bite. We see a huge influx of the fly fishermen once the Arkansas kind of gets blown out, switching over to the Stillwater fishing. That's the only reason I watched that. And uh, Arkansas hit high. Um, so obviously I think we have a huge influx of water coming into Pueblo Reservoir. Um, not that that reservoir can't handle the water. Uh, the biggest thing is the water clarity. So if you're fishing Pueblo, uh, you know, the, the Arkansas from all the way from the very headwaters all the way down uh, is raging pretty hard. It's delivering some stained water. So we're definitely seeing uh, a better increase of fishing on the east half of Pueblo Reservoir than that. So uh, so many anglers are used to running down to Turkey Creek and running down to, you know, Denver Cove and all that. Um, I would stay on the east half of the reservoir. I mean, bogs flat, hit uh, Skier's Cove. So at Pueblo, you're, you're dealing with stained water uh, and climbing water. So just kind of keep that in mind, but everything is obviously still fishing well. Um, and Tarot, we're seeing some stained water. Uh, we're finally getting to the point where our fish are in a post-spawn state. So at Antero, uh, we're just now, just in the last couple of days, seeing our fish retreat from the spawn sites, retreat from the shoreline, um, and kind of fall into their summer pattern. So uh, Antero, I'd say, is starting to fish pretty well. Um, it's one of those things that I uh, am doing kind of a combination of trips. If it's warm out and calm in the morning, so the nicer day, calm weather, uh, the fly trips with the stillwater biters, we're just starting to see our midges hatch. Um, that fly fishing by the second to none in that the morning hours, the calm water. Um, and then the second you start getting chopped, that's when we're really breaking out the conventional tackle. So uh, if you're going up there, 
If you're a fly fisherman, I would seek out the nicer, calmer days. If you're a conventional tackle angler, you know, whether you're fishing tube jigs or throwing spoons, um, I would really focus on the windier conditions as long as you can stay safe on the water. Uh, but that choppier, windier afternoon, uh, we are putting some serious fish in the boat. So good-sized fish, uh, numbers of fish. So Antero's fishing well, but we are seeing some stained water. Uh, water levels are good. Um, you're pretty good to go there. Finney Mountain Reservoir. I tell you, we keep watching the flows. Um, obviously, there's a lot of water coming into the body of water. The last three days straight, there has been more water leaving the reservoir uh, than there has been coming in. So they are still pulling all of that water downstream, uh, filling up all the Aurora stuff. Uh, it's going to you know various municipalities. Uh, long story short, Spinney, as of this morning, is at a 54% capacity. We have to get to 70% before we see the boat docks open. Uh, um, obviously, if you close the, the exit flow, that could happen pretty quickly. But as of right now, uh, we are still a long ways from the Spinning Mountain Reservoir boat ramps opening to trailer boats and or powered boats. Uh, so I would say that as of right now, I'm really kind of counting on probably a Memorial Day or, or like a June 1st looking opportunity for spinning. So for all the anglers chomping it a bit, um, we are a ways off on that. So keep that in mind. Uh, the shore uh, fishing, Nate? however, and Yep. Nate, on Spinney, I, I just want to let you know, I was, I'm was i on some committees for Colorado Parks and Wildlife that gives away funding for projects. And one of the projects we're funding this year, well, we're funding a small portion of it. It's actually a multi-million dollar project. They're going to be removing a, a dam structure downriver on the Platte. And yep. I, wasn't, I wasn't told this, but I know they're going to close... They're going to close the. They're going to have to close the flows or reduce the flows for a while and close the river and a stretch down there. Later, it'll be probably midsummer. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not moving that water to fill everything below that point as full as they can before they fill. Yeah. Yeah, that, I have heard that too. I, I keep trying to get Aurora to give me an update, and obviously, uh, you know, you're dealing with two entities. I think that's what anglers struggle with. We all view the park as it's their fault, but in reality, it's a water source, and the water source leases the ground, leases the opportunity to Colorado Parks and Wildlife to manage as a fishery uh, and wildlife. So, um, in the big scheme of things, not by choice, uh, the recreation is second, uh, but by just by what the project is, who owns it, things like that. Uh, those water sources are, are obviously the, the, the mainstay of that body of water. So, yeah, uh, whatever they're doing. But I have heard that as well. They are, they're pushing it for, uh, for related plans in the summer. So, either way, we'll see what happens with Spinney. But uh, if you are one of those anglers that's chomping it a bit, checking it daily, uh, I think we have a little while to wait. So, kind of keep that in mind. And then as you roll down to 11 Mile, uh, that body of water is full. They have a new wade break system at the North Shore. We're very excited about that. So, I think loading your boat on some of those windier days at 11 mile uh, is going to be a lot better. So really excited. Uh, they got that grant and got the money to put up that really nice wave break system at 11 mile in the North shore. So uh, loading your boat in some of the, the springtime and fall, even summer windier conditions uh, is great. We have some stained water coming through just from pushing through much, so much water through spinny. Um, so the inlet side of 11 mile, you got a little bit of stain, but honestly that stained water is helping us with the pike. 
Uh, that big pike bite that we love so much this time of year, uh, those fish are now in 100% post-spawn state. Uh, those fish are sitting in about 12 to 18 feet of water, roughly speaking about halfway in the water column is where those fish are sitting. Um, we're casting, we're trolling, but we are seeing some giant pikes. So uh, really off to a good start for our big pike season at 11 mile, and that stained water is kind of helping us trick some of those bigger fish and taking these baits. So uh, 11 miles fishing good. We have a lot of, of activity for the big trout, whether you're on a boat or from shore. Uh, so overall, I'd say 11 miles is fishing really well. Um, then as you taper down to some of the bodies of water we fish, um, as of this morning, there's no boating at Cherry Creek. Um, Cherry Creek was down roughly five vertical feet is kind of how we looked at that fishery, uh, say, a week ago. Um, as of now, there is water in the parking lot covering about half uh, if not three quarters of the east boat ramp. Um, the west boat ramp is not, obviously the parking lot's not flooded, but that water is up, I don't even know what it is, maybe 11 feet. Um, I know that they're anticipating about three more vertical feet coming into that body of water this morning, three to four vertical feet. Uh, so as of right now, there's a ton of floating debris on Cherry Creek. Uh, the boat ramps are, are not open, um, and we'll kind of just see what happens with that. But uh, good and bad, the, the good side is Cherry Creek is now full, uh, so once the water resides and we get back to boating, uh, we will be at our normal state for that. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, a good flush, a good clean water, uh, I think it's great for a fishery. But it's going to take a little while to you know, clean up some debris and just get that fishery back in action. But either way, that's where Cherry Creek sits as of right now. Chatfield uh, is taking a lot of water in. Obviously, thanks to the new project set forth by Corps of Engineers, Chatfield can handle that. Um, again, one week ago, we were up about five vertical feet from the old normal pool. Uh, the water is up quite a bit, fairly significant from that, uh, but we have a long ways to go. So Chatfield has plenty of room to absorb all this water. Uh, we're definitely seeing some stained water. We also saw a fairly significant drop in water temperature. We were starting to flirt around uh, in the low 60s, kind of on a midday water levels check and temperature check. Uh, we are now kind of back down into those mid 50s, you know, upper 50s. Uh, that's kind of a combination of cold water coming in as well as just our colder days and colder nights. So uh, a slight temperature decrease, I would say it has not affected the walleye whatsoever. It has affected the bass. Um, so obviously bass are now going into their, their spawn time. Um, so when you deal with climbing water and cooling water as a combination, uh, it makes those bass uh, a little bit harder to target. Uh, the walleyes right now are doing very well. They're hungry. They're aggressive. Uh, we're seeing walleyes on shallower structure uh, as well as starting to see walleyes kind of moving into the shoreline. Um, that five vertical feet put water in all the flooded timber around the lake but it wasn't quite deep enough to really make those fish home there. Now that we've gained a, a few vertical feet of water, we're starting to see the walleyes move into the shoreline. So at Chatfield, if you're a walleye angler, you really want to look for shallow structure out in the lake as well as start toying with fishing all the edges of the brush. So uh, we're seeing a lot of those tactics change, uh, but starting to see those fish definitely move into the, the, the tree line, shoreline type fishing. So, you know, you can work those fish with crankbaits. You can work them with foot bobbers, um, small swim baits, even 
using, you know, beetle spin tile baits, you know, it's a, a jig head with a, a small blade on it. But uh, I'd say anticipate that. Anytime you have climbing water, I think we're really going to watch that walleye bite uh, adapt to that. Rising water almost always brings those shore, those fish to a shoreline. They're going to follow that water level um, and see that, and especially Chatfield, where we're lacking a food source. I think that that flooded timber and flooded area is going to bring a lot of nutrients and a lot of food to those fish, and I think you're really going to see those fish activating on a lot of the new food source uh, as that water level keeps coming up. So uh, that's about the bulk of the, the opportunities that we're seeing. I know Bar Lake rose uh, about two and a half, three vertical feet. Uh, they were working on pulling that ramp up to get that kind of back up to voting and kind of status. Um, but other than that, things are changing daily. I would try to do your best to keep up before you make a trip somewhere. Make sure that the boat ramps are open. Um, and, again, I think it's going to – even if it stops raining now, um, it's going to be a few days before this water level starts to, to even settle down uh, as these reservoirs are absorbing all that moisture. I, I couldn't agree more. I think we're looking at uh, the, the reservoir levels probably almost stabilizing where they're at and slowly going down until we get some runoff. It, it should bode well for later in the summer, but I want to go back to a point you made, too, about rising water pushing the fish to shore. I can't tell people on all my days when I was a tournament fisherman the effect I would see just over two or three days of a tournament where we had a lake that was rising or a lake that was falling and how those activities repositioned the fish. Now, in the last few years, we talk a lot about finding the food source, the bait, and a lot of times that's shad or it's minnows or it's even trout or whatever it is. But when this, with Chatfield the way it is, you hit it right on the head. With a, if unless we get a good shot, uh, shad spawn this year, it's, it might still be hurting, but that shallow water, there's so much bug life when it gets in that newer growth, and crawfish thrive on it, and small minnows are there, stock trout are up in there eating bugs. It really could be an opportunity not only for numbers, but some of the larger fish in the lake. Exactly. And I think that, you know, last time we had high water, we saw some giant fish. You know, so much of our, our big mature walleye, those 30-inch fish and larger, live suspended, um, you know, all over the reservoir throughout the course of the year after spawn. And it's not that they're not approachable or catchable. So few anglers really target those fish out in the middle of nowhere suspended. Uh, and walleye are probably of all fish that I target, of all fish that we fish for in the country, are probably the most adaptable to rising water. If the water comes up even a little bit, walleyes immediately move with that water level. If water levels decrease, they instantly move out of that area. So walleyes, uh, it's kind of that, that river mentality, are so fast to change. If we get that water from those trees, we're going to see those big giant walleyes moving into that as well. So like you said, I think we really can anticipate a big fish season as we see these walleyes move into the trees. And I think as we talk about this, let's start talking about you know conservation-minded. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing some bigger walleyes that a lot of anglers might normally not catch. Uh, we're going to see those fish getting caught. You know, we encourage everybody, you start getting those big walleyes, snap a great photo, uh, kick those fish back. Let's look at the breeding stake of the lake. Let's, uh, you know, make sure that those big fish go back for another day. And if you want to do a mount type thing, uh, a replica of a walleye will turn out far better than a skin mount. Uh, just with the opportunity of so much oil in those big fish, you know, uh, really think about that as, as we start to see it. Cause I do agree hundred percent here. I think we're gonna see some big fish coming out in this high water. We are running out of time. Nate, do you have some activities you want to plug? 
you know, we're really excited about it. It's talking about big fish. We have catch rate next Wednesday, uh, so we're excited about it. So it's our first Wednesday event, uh, so make sure you mark on the calendars. We have catch rate coming up next Wednesday. Uh, always go to our Facebook page for updates on that. No pre-registration. Walk up, pay your $20 cash per species. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on with that, so so keep catch rate in mind. Uh, it's going to be a great time, and always you can follow our Facebook page. I know our guides and myself, we're all posting videos, updates. We'll try to keep you informed on what all the bites are, what the conditions are. Uh, and, yeah, we're just excited to have some water and get out there and get on the water. And, of course, those Facebook and web pages are Tight Line Outdoors. My friend, we will talk to you next week. Stay dry. Talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right, you bet. Nate Falinski. We're going to take a time out and we get back. Well, you know what? Before we do that, I want to give a little public service announcement. Uh, there's a couple Cast for Kids events going on in Colorado this year. One's at Horsetooth Reservoir. And the June 3rd Cast for Kids, this is where you take disadvantaged kids, handicapped kids, out fishing, and they make a whole day of it, and they give them lunch. It's just a tremendous way to get these kids out. They have 40 kids registered, and they need boaters at the Horsetooth One. If you can volunteer, you come, you will have the experience of your life. Some of the most touching, incredible experiences I've ever had We're taking these kind of events where you take people who normally have the ability to get out and fish out there, and it will touch your heart. But go to castforkids.org slash event, castforkids.org slash event, and go to the Horsetooth Reservoir one. Read that. If you can supply a boat and and you can boat for that day, please do. Let's get these kids out there. We'll take a time out when we come back. Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we'll continue with updates, especially on water levels. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, we've been talking about the um, the big gear show in Colorado, which is combined with the E-Revolution show uh, the 8th through the 11th of June. It's going to be e-bikes and then outdoor gear. It's going to be tremendous. Now, we have... A set of four tickets will be good for Saturday the 10th or Sunday the 11th of June to give away. So the fourth caller to call 303-713-1043. That's 303-713-1043. That's the station call-in number. Uh, the fourth caller gets four tickets to attend that show. All right, let's go to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. So the first question I have for you is, are you able to launch your boat from your driveway? Um, pretty much. Uh, I think <laughs> I could uh, launch my boat from my driveway and fish all the way out to uh, Lake McCon- or past Lake McConaughey. So, <laughs> yeah, you're pretty close to the Platte River, right? Yep. Yeah, you guys, and you've seen. Uh, we I don't know how much you heard of Nate. We kind of covered some of those lakes, but there's a lot more lakes. Well, the water, I mean, it, obviously we've got an, a tremendous amount of rain. It's going to change water levels. It's going to change fish behavior for a while. What are you seeing out there? You know, for kind of this north front range and northeast region, a lot of the lakes out on I-76 were pretty close to being full already. So what they're doing is they're kind of popping off, and right now uh, Jumbo's taking some water but I have not heard of anyone really catching fish out there. I think that that's, we're looking a couple years before that fishery kind of recovers from the low water last year. Um, 
Sterling has cut back on their ditch because they've almost completely topped off there. Uh, Pruitt has turned back on again, and so that provides an opportunity for the wipers and the crappies moving up towards the shallows, and especially the water temperature is just about right for the crappies to spawn. Uh, Jackson was on for about a day. It shut back off again, but the wipers are starting to show up a little bit there. The one nice thing is the wipers that are being caught, most of them are from 18 inches into the to the low to low 20 inch range. So they're really good size fish. Now, if you back down to the front range region, um, the chain of Lake Loveland, Horseshoe, and Boyd, Lake Loveland is getting over 500 CFS coming into the lake right now. It's raised up probably five-plus vertical feet since the storm started. And I think by this time next week, you're going to see horseshoe filling. So we might be seeing Boyd getting water that last week of May um, from the main ditch at the marina there. But keep an eye open. They have the opportunity to run water in from the north and from the south, and they may be doing that a little bit earlier. Uh, Union is starting to fill. That's come up about a foot and a half, two feet since the storm started. And, uh, you know, Carter and Horsetooth have both been doing pretty well with water all season long. So no problems with any of the boat ramps so far up in this region. Now, what about the fish themselves? A couple things. Some of the metro lakes especially, they were getting into the 60s, and this cooler weather and the rain dropped the water temperatures. Have you been able to get out enough? I know you've been flooded in. It's been hard to get out, but have you heard any reports or been able to get out and check? Are we seeing any water temp changes? You know, we don't see the impact as much of the water temp changes as they do down in the metro area because in the metro area, you're getting direct flow straight off the streams or the, or like Chatfield, you know, the South Platte runs directly through it. Up here, all of ours come through a ditch system, so that ditch has a little bit of time to warm it up, and, and they're a little bit more removed from that colder mountain water. So I was out uh, Wednesday at uh, Union, and... The water temperature actually had not dropped at all and came up a little bit during the day. And that was that was after the lake had got a couple inches of hail the night before. So most of the lakes out here are holding their temperature better than the lakes down in the metro area. I'm not going to say if you were out last week and you saw 63 that it might not be down to 61 and a half. But I think that uh, the water temperature impact is not nearly as big on these lakes. Where you're, the issue is, is the raising water level. That's going to, as Nate mentioned, it's going to push a lot of those fish up shallow. So it may change the location and take a little bit of time for the anglers to figure out where the fish are now. But um, they're going to start feeding big time. It, the water temperature's there. Everything is primed to go. So I think, I think it's a perfect time to be getting out on the water. Are, what are you seeing in the rivers as far as around your area, and what are you hearing in the rivers coming through this northern area? Do you get any updates there? You know, everything I'm seeing is the rivers made huge jumps, and I've got firsthand knowledge that the, the Platte peaked out about 9,000 CFS in Platteville. Um, but uh, I would kind of steer clear of those for at least another 
maybe four or five days, you know, we had the runoff just kind of starting. And then with all the moisture we've had, these rivers are running real high and to the point of being almost dangerous. If you give them three to five days, the water that came in with this storm is going to dissipate. and We're just going to be back to, to the runoff flows. So if I was someone who likes fishing the streams or, or was thinking about going to fish a stream, I would target a pond and a lake till middle of next week before I would head out to, to fish a stream. All right. Now, other than that, give me, if you were going fishing, you want to take your boat out or a great shore bite, give me two spots that you might head to or send somebody to. Uh, up here in the Northeast, I think uh, the first one would probably be Boyd. Boyd is starting to really turn on. There's walleye, white bass, and largemouth going along with some trout, and, and there's a, a good number. Of the ice fishing wasn't real good, so there's a good number of holdover trout that are in that, you know, 13 to 16 inch range. And then the other one I probably would go up to is I would go up to Horsetooth. Um, the smallmouth are starting to move up into the coves, and that provides a shore fishing opportunity from people who want to come. Uh, down from the state park on the, the northwest side there, you can walk those shores shoreline and get an opportunity to catch some smallmouth while they're up there. And then along the dams and the, the points on the east side, there's a good number of walleyes and some bigger trout in the, the upper teens to low 20-inch range getting caught. So those would be the two spots that I kind of would hit in this area right now. All right, my friend. Now, you, uh, in addition to guiding, you also have a, a NOCO fishing report that comes out weekly. Tell people how they get a guide trip or get a hold of your report if they want it. All right. So the uh, the newsletter is the NOCO Fishing News, and the best way to find it is you go to nococfishingnews.substack.com. And if you're interested in booking a guide trip or asking any other questions, you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. Or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. And if the weather settles down, maybe we'll even get on the water together. Let's do it, Terry. All right, thanks, Brad. Brad Peterson. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, um, we're going to change things up. And we're going to talk shooting with uh, J.R. Pearson, some of the mistakes people make and how you can easily correct them. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, before we go to our next guest, I do want to say that I talked to Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie and the Granby boat ramps opened yesterday. He was out there and caught a really nice lake trout. So you may want to check that out. The best way to find out the ramp hours, because they're, they're a little different. One ramp isn't open all week. The other one is. It would be to go fishing with Bernie on Facebook. They're going to give constant updates. But this is the time to be chasing big lake trout up there. And by the way, you saw that world record lake trout that came out of blue mesa we're going to have the folks from blue mesa on next week things are open and they are catching some huge lakers up there let's go to the phones joining us from colorado clays is jr pierce good morning jr and good morning terry you know we're going to talk continue talking a little bit about mistakes or things you can correct when you're shooting 
But I would think in this last week, the biggest thing is you need windshield wipers on your shooting glasses. <laughs> yeah, and some floaties on your arms. Yeah, it's been uh, uh, pretty intense, my friend. Yeah, no, it's been rough. Uh, you know, fortunately, Terry, uh, we did get all the moisture like everybody. The the creek did rise, and uh, a brief moment it affected, but uh, we're up and open for business now, so I encourage everybody, uh, got a few puddles, but come out and enjoy it. It's really beautiful in the creek bottom today. So it's going to be a great day. What a perfect day to be out shooting. Now, we'll talk about Colorado Clays overall and some of the events you've got coming up, but Last week, we talked about some common mistakes, and one of them was pulling or pushing off the target or, or flinching when you shoot, and we talked a lot about dry fire and how important that can be. A couple other things I want to follow up that I know one that you think is very common that needs to be worked on, and that's follow-through, especially with shotgun shooting. Yeah, and follow-through, Terry, really does apply to any kind of shooting, um, following through on a shot. Now, particularly on shotgun, and the most common mistake people make uh, as far as a follow-through is they stop the gun when they pull the trigger, and it's actually a very natural um, reaction. Uh, there's several other things that cause a poor follow-through. Uh, one of those can be that recoil anticipation. So, um, you know, when the gun recoils, people will stop what they're doing. There's a couple, and just lift their head off the gun, uh, which is several things can contribute to that. Uh, if the gun doesn't fit you properly and the gun is bumping your cheek or hurting you in some way or another, it's always going to cause you to want to stop and lift off or pull from the gun, which also stops the gun and screws up your follow and a lot of times, Terry, people just want to see what happened after they took a shot. So as they're pulling the trigger, they're also lifting their head off the gun to see what happened. Typically does two things. It'll make the, the gun stop and screw up the follow-through. And a lot of times make you shoot high because you're still using the front of the gun as reference. When your head comes up, your body naturally keeps the gun up. And those are two of the worst things um, that happen in a poor follow-through. Now, again, one great recipe for correcting follow-through issues is, of course, the dry fire, because oftentimes you will be able to come up on a shot when you pull the trigger, even knowing that it's not going to recoil, you will see yourself stop. And so that's a good way to identify it. Some of our high-level shooters have an exercise they do to force them to follow through, which is go out, um, shoot at a target. If you hit the target, find a piece and follow it all the way to the ground for up to two seconds if you must. Or if you miss the target, get back on it and follow it all the way through. If you force yourself to follow through for a second or two, the quarter second or half second it takes to do a, a good follow through doesn't seem like anything. And that can sometimes help follow through issues. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. Uh, follow through, and you know, if you're, if you're, if, if you, one way you can tell if you're following through is like you said, people lift your head. Well, if you're following through, your sight picture should show you breaking the clay. Right, and consistency in your sight picture is uh, extremely important. And oftentimes, Terry, and depending on where your gun shoots, what you're shooting at. Um, you're not necessarily going to, you have to stare the target down and watch it break. Because if you lift your head or change anything, you've already screwed up your shot. And this also goes for rifle shooting. And I, and I talked uh, for a while with you, Terry, about this real high-dollar pellet gun that I purchased. 
you want to talk about a great way to learn fire or follow through on center fire is to get a pellet gun that has zero recoil and zero noise. Get your head in the scope. I put mine on high power, and I actually watch the pellet hit the target. That keeps my head in the gun, and I force myself to see it happen through the scope rather than lifting my head to see what happened. And uh, shooting that pellet gun has actually made me a better centerfire shooter because I follow through in the scope. You want to see your target get hit in the scope. Uh, sometimes easier said than done because the rifles can have some big recoil. But if you imagine that you're going to watch what happens downrange through the scope, it's going to make the follow-through on your shot that much better. You know, for a youngster, even a good quality BB gun will give you the same thing. That's how I first learned to do sight picture and follow through and all that. My dad bought me, a, back then was one of the, I guess, daisy, whatever they are, BB guns. And But I could actually see the BB in the air, and it really made you stay on your target. While we still have time, I want to move on to one other. And this is something that I have had to deal with my entire shooting career, and that's a dominant eye that's different than your dominant hand. And for people that don't know what that means, uh, if you're right-handed and you have a, a right dominant eye, you're okay. If you're right, I'm, I'm right-handed, but my left eye is my dominant eye. So when I first look at something, I position it from my left eye. And that can really take some work to affect your shooting, right? Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, and one of those very tricky and sometimes hard to figure out issues is the eye dominance versus the hand dominance. And like you said, whether you're right-handed, right eye, et cetera, et cetera, um, the first step is to test your eye dominance. And there's several easy ways to do this. Um, a very common one is to make a triangle with your thumb and forefingers, put them at arm's length, uh, focus on a distant object, and while doing that, move your arms up and put that object in the triangle you formed. Once that's done, close one eye, then close the other eye. With one eye, the object will remain in the triangle, and uh, this is normally your dominant eye. And some people do have a cross-dominance where both are equally plus or minus dominant as well. So there are several solutions that can be helpful. First is often to just close the dominant eye and look down the barrel with the eye matching your hand dominance. Some people can do this, and some people can't close just their dominant eye. So it's generally more preferred to keep both eyes open while shooting. Sometimes a simple solution can be to blur the image of the dominant eye so that the image of the non-dominant eye is clearer, and the brain will accept that as the correct sight picture. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this will be done by simply placing a small piece of scotch tape on your shooting glasses covering the pupil of the dominant eye. I've also seen uh, people smear some chapstick or even take a Sharpie pen and place dots around the pupil of the dominant eye. And I've even seen some eye dominance exercises a person can, can perform to train the brain to use the non-dominant eye. So definitely doing some research, Terry, and doing exercises can help cure the issues with eye dominance when it comes to shooting. Yeah, and I, I struggled with it when I was younger, and I found myself shooting both right and left-handed, trying to figure out which was best. And the problem I had was 
I probably actually saw the target better when I'm in the beginning shooting left-handed because I keep both eyes open. But it was hard to find a lot of firearms at that time that fit a left-hander because of where they would eject the shell, it would come right across my face. So I learned and trained myself to shoot right-handed, and I've actually done fairly well with that. But you need to be aware of it and understand And how it really, where I see the biggest effect is when I'm shooting uh, pistols. I still shoot a lot of handguns. I shoot with both eyes open, and with the gun out with both hands on it, I most of the time find myself aiming with my left eye because it's dominant, but it doesn't affect it because I'm centering that gun right in my body away from me. But it's something you really need to work on. Hey, before we run out of time, uh, you got some things coming up. By the way, we should mention you can give lessons to people out there to work on these problems. Yeah, and Terry, and, and you know, sometimes the, the quickest and easiest way to flush out issues you may have is, of course, going to be schedule a session with one of the professional instructors at Colorado Clays. Uh, we do this all year long. We see everything from beginner to um, professional levels, uh, all different combinations of issues, and uh, we are a lot better at flushing it out. So sometimes it might be easier just to come out, have us uh, get you going in the right direction, make some recommendations. You can take off with that and up your game pretty easily. We're going to run out of time, so I want to touch on a couple of things real quick. That's your leagues. You have great uh, leagues coming up. What's the status of your summer leagues? Uh, summer leagues both have availability, Terry. Uh, we ended up with this weather having to kick them out one week from where they were, uh, which not a big deal. I, uh, those dates, I would prefer everybody call in for them. Uh, you can join as an individual or as a team of up to five, and uh, everybody is welcome. All skill levels are welcome, and everybody is in this just to up their game. And Wednesday nights at Colorado Clays are one of the funnest evenings you're going to have. Uh, come out, do your shooting. They pull out the grills and hibachis in the parking lot, and we just make it the hump day, get through the week evening. You'll love it. So definitely give us a call on that. Our Bowling Pin Pistol League, Wednesday, June 14th from 5 to 7.30 is starting. Uh, call out here to sign up for that. It's a four-week league, and uh, the first 20 shooters are going to be the ones that get in on this league. Uh, great evening of fun and games with your pistols. And finally, Cass and Clay, Sunday, June 4th. Had a couple teams going to be out of town. I have two more openings. That's the two-person event, combo fishing, shooting. Only 100 bucks a team. We fish in the morning, shoot in the afternoon, have a lunch, give away prizes. Uh, Got to do it to really appreciate it, Terry. So I'd love to have anybody that enjoys those two sports give us a call. All right, my friend, if you want more information, coloradoclays.com, right? Yes, sir. All right, we'll talk to you soon, and we'll get out on the water soon, too. Yeah, Terry. Uh, lakes ought to be full. Yeah, they're going to be close, that's for sure. Thank you, sir. All right, have a good day. All right. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Just great people, a great place to go. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on this edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to mention again the Cast for Kids event at Horsetooth Reservoir. Um, this is a great event. It, it helps out disadvantaged or ch physically challenged kids get a day on the water fishing. They're given lunch. They get freebies. It's just a tremendous opportunity. There are 40 kids registered for the Horse Tooth event June 3rd. They need some more boaters. 
if you've got a boat where you think you could take, they'll help get somebody in your boat, that you could take them and they will have an adult with them out on the water uh, for June 3rd, please, it'll touch your heart. You'll have the greatest experience of your life, and you certainly will touch the lives of these kids. And so to find out more, go to castforkids.org slash event slash horsetooth reservoir. And I'm sure if you Googled Cast for Kids Horsetooth Reservoir, it'll come up. It's June 3rd. So please, you're available that day. It takes a, a kid who probably won't get many chances on the water out. You could really make, make an impact on his life. Do that. As I mentioned earlier, the boat ramps at Granby opened yesterday. Dan Shannon with Fishing for Bernie was out there. Got a really nice, nice lake trout. Uh, the, the, the ramp hours are a little different on one ramp than the other ramp. So to check that out, just go to Fishing with Bernie's Facebook page. Those guys keep a track of that, and they'll post it there. And speaking of Facebook, follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We covered a lot of ground today. A lot of these are podcasts. You can always go to uh, denversports.com, go to my page, and scroll down and see the interviews and listen to them. But then we post links on our Facebook page, too. And we post we post updates. If I get out into the field, we post that. So follow us there. Follow our music social media too Wickstrom and Dobrith we always love that and we've got a new single we're working on in addition to the ones that are are out there and are streaming right now if you get out on the rivers be careful of the flows it can be dangerous maybe leave your waders at home and just fish from the shore all right is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio yes hey by the way coach a couple things the uh cast yes. the cast for kids thing sounds phenomenal if I had any boating Skills. If I had a boat or any boating skills whatsoever, I would do that. Uh, it's, it is a great. I'll tell you what, Dan. We don't have time for the stories today, but I've taken part in these types of events quite often. And there's, I have so many touching stories of how these kids and it impacted their life and the contact I kept with them. It's just touching. It really is. And uh, the other thing is that's at Horsetooth Reservoir. Now, Horsetooth Lanes, of course, right in that same area, the site of our former glory. When you coached me to the state championship in bowling, uh, God, was that 25 years ago, 30 years ago? It was a while. It was more it than was 30 years ago, actually. <laughs> Scary. Yes. But, yeah, that was right there, Horsetooth. Yeah, it was, right? It was in Fort Collins. We, yeah. I don't think it has that same name anymore, but we did it right here. Yeah, I remember that. You guys won the state championship. I, it was all coaching. It had very little to do with the skill of the bowlers. Yes, you said, Dan, roll the ball down the middle of the lane and uh, get all ten pins down as many times as you can. And, of course, I did that with stunning accuracy. And then you hoisted me on your shoulders at the end of the day, and I uh, had championship accolades, you know, forever. It was stunning, to say the least. I don't know about hoisting you, though. Yes, exactly. Um, hey, I got a quick question for you before we run out of time. Uh Peyton and his keeping quiet in the press. Now, I understand some of that. You don't want to set expectations. But football is still, the reason they make money is it's entertainment. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, the, the press is the conduit to the fans. The fans are the reason you guys have jobs. So quit being such jerks and snobs about it. That's my take on it. That's kind of my take on it, too. i tell you what, let me wrap this up. And you can uh, talk some sports here at the top of the hour. Sounds great. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Dante in the studio, Karen here in this studio. Uh, tune in every Saturday, 9 to 11. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.
Get down.